1: I like how John puts it, Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us, that we would be called children of God, and that is what we are. Paul has the same thought in Romans 5, as we'll see next. Hi there, and again, welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We're continuing our journey through Romans. We're here in chapter 5, once again, looking at the first eight verses. The fact that we've been justified brings about peace with God. Paul gives us that, and then he goes one step further. says that we can even experience the love of God. And that's what commands our attention today. Please join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
2: Notice how he defines how this love was expressed. And we get, look at it verses 6 to 8. First, he says three things. Number one, the greatest of human love in verse 7, the greatest manifestation of human love is that it would die for someone. And we see this happen. A comrade would die for a buddy. A man would die for his wife. Would die to rescue his children. It does happen in the human arena. And certainly, we're moved and we're, it's greatly admired. And notice what he says Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. Two kinds of men they're on the positive side of people, they do the right, the, they're a right kind of a person. Are they're a good person. And good is seemed to be a little deeper in, in your relationship with them. And we know that someone might even dare do that. But God's love is greater. Verse 6. You see, at just the right time when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 10, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled. And he said, at the right time, God loved us. And I, scholars debate, what is the right time? I read all their arguments, but mine's better. I think the right time is God has loved me before the wrath has fallen on me. And God decided to love me when he found me at my worst. And he decided to love me before his full sentence of wrath fell on me. And there's four things he says about all of us. When he found us, we were weak or helpless, powerless to change our behavior and status before him. Let me say this to you. Some of you have never become a Christian because you can't live it. There, right there, you're wrong. Because it's not dependent on your power. Uh, I can't be a Christian because... I can't, see, when God found us, we were like the man by the pool of Bethesda. If we could just get in the pool where the angel stirs the water, we could be saved. But I'm a cripple in my feet and I can't move quick enough to get into the water. So I keep missing out. Guess what God did? He sent the pool to the man and it just touched him. He said, you need to get up and walk. I didn't reach out and find God. He stooped down and picked me up because I was powerless. He didn't throw a rope to me. He said, hold on, I'm going to pull you out. No, he came into the pit and right there he said, be well, be healed. I was helpless. Then I was ungodly. And this is a moving word. The word is uh, the word to, it was literally the word Sibiomai meant to render reverence and respect to someone. And it had the idea because you saw beauty in them. You saw majesty You saw uh, uh, maybe authority, if it was a governor or parent, it was used that way. But it was the word used at the idol's temple. I revere the gods. I'm impressed by the gods. I am uh, in awe of the gods. It was used of awe. It came to be the word for worship. But they put an alpha negative in front of it. You are ungodly towards me. You see no beauty in me. You see no majesty in God. You don't see my worth. And when I found you, I was as though I was a hog in a slop pen. You you just soon worship animals as the true and living creator God. And so when I found you, when I decided to love you, you were in no way finding any beauty in me. And is this not what Isaiah said? When he comes, we'll find no beauty that we should desire him. And the word for beauty is majestic beauty. We saw nothing majestic about Christ. So we killed him. He said, while we were sinners, we were falling short. Sin is to miss the mark. We were coming short of doing anything that would honor God. And finally, he said, We were enemies. And this word is a powerful word. It means that we were not passive sinners towards God. It doesn't mean I was just minding my own business. But no, it's an active hostility. I oppose your commands. I don't want your son. I see nothing in you that's desirable. And God said, At this time, This is where I saw you when I decided I would crucify my son for you. You weren't righteous and you weren't good, but you were sinners, you were enemies, you were ungodly, and you were powerless to do anything right. And I decided, that's when I'm going to love you the most. At my worst, God did his best. At my worst, God gave the best thing heaven has. And so this is how you love. Now, now let me ask you this. When you goof up as a believer and you sin or whatever, you stray. Will I ever be able to get back? I've seen the backslider wrestle. Will, Will I ever be able to get back to him? I like to say this. God's already seen you at your worst. And God has already decided to love you to the utmost at your worst. And there will never be anything you will do since you got in this family that will undo that love. And that's exactly what he's going to say in Romans 8, 37. This love you'll never be cut off from. Because you act powerless in the Christian life many times. You act ungodly many times in it. We don't give him his due. I see, folks, it's a strain sometimes to serve God. But First John 5 says, if you love him, his commandments will not be burdensome. It's real hard to serve a God you fell out of love with. It's hard to get people to serve in ministries that are just nominal Christians not experiencing the love of God. Everything is a strain. Everything is hard because they've really become a pagan in their attitude with God. If they do anything, they want to impress him instead of saying, you see, worship is the reciprocal kiss of the sinner to the love of God. Now, do you know what I mean by reciprocal kiss? You kiss any back. You know you get the girl when you feel a little pressure coming back. No peck on the cheek. Say, oh, I, I felt a little pressure there. She put a kiss on me too. God has kissed us in the sun. And one of the words for worship is to Kiss. And the end of Psalms 2 said, kiss the son lest he be angry with you. Pay him reverence. And I find people in worship, you, you, I, it, just, it just, let's try to get them to worship. Let's work, oh, oh, no. There's not enough music. There's not enough preaching. It's not anybody's job here to make you a worshiper. You got to find something worth worshiping. He's the one worth worshiping, not a choir. Not a preacher, but people that are doing the reciprocal kiss. They want to serve this God they have been loved by. They, they want to share. You know, when you found somebody that really loved you, don't you want to share it? Now, Paul is going to pray for us believers on this marvelous love of God. Listen, listen to what Ephesians says. I've, I feel like... I wonder where I've been all my life. I've looked at this verse before. I've preached it, but I never saw it before in this light. Look at Ephesians 3. Paul is going to pray for the Ephesians. Okay? Now listen to how he prays for them. Verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, that's, those are strong words for power. I want you to have power coming from the spirit in your inner being. What do I need the power for? To cast out demons? Let's see what the power he wants it to be directed towards. So that Christ may feel at home in your hearts. That word dwell is settle down, feel at home. In your hearts, through faith, I would take it while trusting. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints. Power for what? To grasp. Do you see the word? Are you there? To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for us. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's superlative. I want you to know it but it passes everything you'll ever be able to know. That's what he's saying. I want you to know the immeasurable love of God that excels all knowledge. And for all eternity, you'll be in school learning about how deeply the Father and the Son loved you and the church. I want the power of the Spirit to make you start grasping it. It's katalabano. Lay hold of it. I want you to get it. I know you're saved. I preached this church into existence in Acts 19. I was there when you got saved. I'm praying for a saved church. What's wrong with you? You don't get, you don't grasp the love of God. And I'm praying that the power of the Spirit. What do I need? The power of the Spirit. I never knew this before. I need the power of the Spirit to make me grasp how deep, wide, and high, and wonderful is the love of Christ for me. You see what he's saying? You need this power to understand and grasp. And not watch this. It surpasses all this knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I would translate that, that you might grow up and be mature in God. And what will you be full of? Full of the overwhelming ocean of God's love for his church and for you. I pray that God would do this. What amazes me, this is the church that left their first love. And when dear pastor Timothy is pastoring this church, he's losing members to the church because they are abandoning the church for Demas has abandoned me having loved this present age. Surely you can't be in the church and never have tasted the love of God and never lose it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I was in a counseling session And I asked, I asked the wife, both professing believers, do you think your husband knows God? She said, Not at all. But he's gone through good schools. He's been this, he's been that. He's held different positions. Husband? What about her? No? I don't think she knows God. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. I wonder if someone is questioning whether you know God, because uh, in Bible teaching churches like us, uh, you can easily give up anything experiential for everything that's theological. Well, I'm in Christ. Well, don't get mad about it. Well, that's just my temperament. Yeah, we know it. We know it. Obviously, the love of God isn't flooding your heart. No, don't, don't use that emotional stuff on me. I'm not emotional. I'm not experiential. That's shallow Christianity. Oh? Why did he gush this abroad in your heart? And why is he praying that in your inner man, your inner man, we would say your heart in the core of your being, two things. I want the Spirit to make Christ feel at home that you are not living in a garbage heap. That Christ could settle down there because you're going to trust Him. And two, I'm forever grasping, getting hold of God's overwhelming love for me. And if He loves me, who is ungodly, a sinner, helpless, surely He could love some of these other folks that irritate me. It's not just you, it's His love for the church. Let me uh, close because I'll never be able to. I, uh, we, no one sings this today, but I just thought of the songwriter that felt overwhelmed about this subject. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. He's got it right. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care God gave his son. But this last stanza, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies parchment made, were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole Though stretched from sky to sky, oh love of God, rich and pure. How measureless, oh, he's got it, and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. That last stanza they found written on the wall of an insane asylum. Could we with ink the ocean fill? A man with a nervous breakdown, wrote it on a wall. I'm concerned that some of you are not saved because you've never experienced the love of God, but you know the formulas. Jesus died, buried, rose again. But there's some of you we always ask, where's the love of God? Where's the love of God in them? Are people who are on this performance kick if I obey, if I do enough, I'll be accepted. And forever they're an approval addict. They can't get enough approval, enough approval, enough approval. And you see people just going from relationships, from jobs, from one toy. And what's going on is they've never, they've never come under the touch and love of God, so that now they say, all of my longings, all my passions, and all that. I found the compulsive affection that has conquered all other desires. I was uh, told lately by a pastor, as he shared about a friend of ours, that he said he grew up his whole life without touch. He said that the only time he could ever remember his mother touching him is when while living on the East Coast, they were in a flood crisis and the waters were coming up to the house. And the mother just came down and just casually just put her arms on his shoulders, just was a little concerned, And he says, that's the only memory I have growing up of an affectionate parental touch. The father usually stayed drunk on the weekends and would often beat up his mother he said something that seemed so strange to me. He said, I often longed to get my hair cut because it was the only time I had caring touch on my head. And just when a man was cutting my hair and there was no harm going to be inflicted, I craved to get my hair cut. And this man shared how he knows of another man whose wife is leaving him who said the same thing. I can't wait to get my hair cut. Why? I'm so lonely. I just want human touch. I read years ago a pastoral book when you visit the elderly and when you visit those who are in care homes, touch all you can because you might walk through the urine smell. You may walk through rooms where people are groaning. And when you get old, and you get wrinkles, and you get gray, and you think you're ugly, and nobody thinks you've got any words. Just touch. Tactile. Touch. Well, our salvation is more than a doctrinal statement. God reached down, and he told the Holy Spirit, gush the love of God abroad in their heart, so that they know, and I think it's sensational in the heart, I think you're saved by faith, not by feeling. But let me tell you, those who know God have experienced this overwhelming sense. I'm loved by God. I'm being loved. You know why John uses a phrase that we only think of J. Vernon McGee? It sounds so old. Listen, dearly beloved. The thing about the word beloved there, uh, it gives a past tense and it sounds old English, in the Greek it's this way, dearly being loved by God. So I want to tell all of you, dear ones, being loved continually by God, may God empower you by the Spirit that you can get the strength and might to get beyond all the clutter of life and all the insults, criticisms, hurts, divorces, death, all the tragics of human relationships and say, I want to grasp all that I can grasp the deep, deep love of God for me. And I'm sure it will take eternity. He said in Ephesians 2, while ages roll on, God will keep showing us His grace, His gra- and His grace comes out of His love. Those who have been justified enter into a family Where love is the environment. You know one of the hardest things in Christianity is for you to throw off the patterns of the family of your birth and the family of your origin and learn how to act in this new family. We don't, the pattern for our behavior is not the home you came from. There could have been fighting. There could have been non-affection. There could have been compulsive behavior. There could have been child abuse. There could have been, this is not the home the Father's put you in. This home runs on the love of the cross. We experience it. It's expressed through the cross. And this happens to be one of the greatest revelations of all scripture God has chosen to love the ungodly, and that included you. So let us quit being impressed with ourselves and start being impressed with how much He loves us. It is overwhelming.
1: Working our way through Romans, this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We trust today's broadcast has been enlightening, and especially as we see our desperate need for the gospel.